Yeah, give a hand for Jason, our tech director. Thank you, Jason. Well, it's good to see you guys. My name is Matt Wolf. Today is July 11th. We're supposed to start a new series today, right? Yeah, I hope you guys are excited. It's going to be really good. You know, the last two weeks I haven't been here preaching. We had some great guest preachers. We had Crick Poirier, our missionary to Estonia, here two weeks ago, told some amazing stories. We had Paul Mitten, our regional director for the movement we're a part of, Converge, here last week. It was an awesome message. Got to catch it online. And it was great. I really appreciate you guys giving me a couple weeks off. Thank you. I I appreciate you giving me that time off. It gives me some time to refresh, get rejuvenated, and get re-excited about what God is doing here. You know, our mission here is to help people follow Jesus. It's very simple, yet it's one of the most important things. And and I was just rejuvenated and how important that mission is. I I saw one study that said over the last um, 16 months that this pandemic's been going on, that two-thirds of all adults in our country have reported increased anxiety, increased loneliness, and a loss of some of their closest friends. Like people right now are, are looking for hope, looking for help, looking for relationships and connection and meaning in life. And guess where you can find that? In Jesus. So when we help people follow Jesus, we help people's lives. We help your lives. And our mission is helping people follow Jesus is not just you know, for us, not just my job as the pastor or us as a staff or an organization. It's your mission too, because we are the church. And if we help people follow Jesus, you do as well. And, and that's what it's about. So I'm looking ahead, and I'm going to talk about this a lot, but I'm looking ahead at August, September, and October as critical months for our church. Critical months. I've been talking to a lot of people, even over the last couple months, people are filling out our new forms online, and they're like, I just moved here yesterday. I'm new. Or, I've gotten this a few times, we're about to move here in two weeks. We want to find a church because we know we need community. Like, people are hungry for it. There's a hunger right there for community, for God, for Jesus Christ, for meaning in their life. And we can provide the only hope that that changes their life. Jesus said, follow me, and and you will have the fullest life in this life and in the one to come. We we save people destruction, not just in this life, but in the one to come, okay? And, And when we present the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he saves them, forgives them, gives them meaning, purpose, and eternal life ahead, it's so significant. So the people that you're gonna be around over the next few months... Your coworkers, your friends, your family, the people that you don't like very much, that annoying guy, okay? You, you know, all those people need Jesus. And we have a critical opportunity over the next few months to reach those people because they're going to be hungry. Everybody's traveling right now. I get it. This is like the most traveled summer in the history of ever, right? Everybody's traveling places, going on the vacation, seeing family that they didn't get to last year. But they're going to be coming back in August. They're going to be getting back into school, into the rhythm of life in August, September, looking for something. And we have an opportunity to invite them into church, connect with them, get them in a community group, have some relationships, and help them find Jesus Christ, who will give them the hope and the help they need. Okay? So that's our mission. Are you guys on board? Are you guys on board with this mission? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Let's help people follow Jesus together. That's what we're going to do. Um, and, and yes, I am excited too for our new series that's starting today, Unexpected Examples, who Jesus points to as the examples in our life. This is going to be so important. It's just a short series, just three weeks here in the month of July. But it's so good because our society, our culture points to a lot of people at the top, the powerful people, the athletic people, the, the good-looking people, the rich people. They're the ones to look at as examples and imitate. But Jesus is going to point in a different direction at the unexpected and that's what we're going to see here. I remember as a kid growing up, I was a kid of the 90s, and there was one person everybody's like, you got to be like this guy. Do you remember who that was? Be like Mike. Michael Jordan, right? Everyone said, be like Mike, okay? We, we had to do it, and we saw Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player to ever live. And I say that as a Lakers fan. Kobe, LeBron, sorry guys. 
Jordan, right, his airness could dribble, could shoot, could dunk on a whole nother level. Six-time NBA champion, right? Multiple uh, MVPs. He is a gold medalist. Incredible. The best basketball player to ever live. And there was that great Gatorade commercial. Does anybody remember it? Showed him just like dribbling down at, you know, at the, the court and, and shooting over people. Incredible stuff. And then at the end it said, be like Mike, right? Be like Mike. And I remember that as a kid. I remember going out to the park, dribbling, shooting hoops by myself, just imagining myself. You know, shooting at the NBA Finals. Okay, uh, just, just going over, you know, um, all those places. That, that, that's what we dreamed of as kids. And I was like, ah. Oh. But no matter how much I dribbled and shot, no matter how much sugary electrolytes I drank, I could never be like Mike, right? I still, nothing could, no Gatorade could make this white boy jump that high, right? Let's just be honest. Let's be honest, okay? Be like Mike. It was like, okay, no one could be like that. There are important things we could learn from him, from his determination, his drive, his competitiveness. But people like that, it's like, that's what our society lifts up. Look at them. And it's not just athletes, although we're going to hear a ton of stories over the next month for Olympics, right? Be like Simone Biles, okay? Look at them. They're incredible. They're in, their perseverance and all that stuff. Great examples. And our society says things like, okay, you've got you to invest like Warren Buffett. You've got to be a, a, a hard-moving uh, person, build a business like Steve Jobs. I was just thinking about this. Like 20 years ago, if you would have told me that a billion people will spend $1,000 every other year on a phone, I would have laughed you out of the room, right, from my, like, corded phone that you're like, Right? It's insane, but Steve Jobs to build it. Look at him. Be like him. If you want to be a writer, write like Malcolm Gladwell. There's always someone in every society. There's seminars. There's books. Look at this person. Be like them. That's what our society does. The rich, the wealthy, the powerful. But Jesus points in a completely different direction. And in this section, it's actually a pretty short section in Luke chapter 18. We're just going to cover, I think it's about 18 verses we're going to look at over the next three weeks. But Jesus points at three different individuals and, and a group of people in the third week. Completely different, the, the unexpected. And he says, look at them, learn from them, be like them, the unexpected. And in this first week, we're going to learn from Jesus about prayer, how to be like an incredible prayer. And when I first say that, some of you are thinking, okay, so I got to look at the religious people, the, um, the priests. I, I remember talking to a pastor when I was just starting out who, who had gone on a 30-day silent retreat to pray and be with God. 30 days of silence. Some of you are like, that's my dream. Everyone else is like, that's my worst nightmare. Ugh. And I was like, if, does that what it mean to be a great prayer? Do, do you have to be that religious priest that stands up in front of you? And, and maybe you've heard that person, that they quote so much scripture in one little prayer, you're like, that's more scripture than I've ever heard in my whole life. You have that memorized and you're saying it in prayer. Or, or the person that gets up at four o'clock every morning, three hours on their knees praying for things. But Jesus doesn't point out those people in his teaching on prayer. He's going to point in the different direction. He's actually going to point at a widow, a poor, destitute widow who has no advocacy for self, no power, no prestige. Nobody even knows her name, but he's going to look at that widow and he says, pray like her. Because what we're going to learn from her is not that we have to be more eloquent or, or how many times we have to pray or, or what position we have to be in to pray. It, it, Jesus doesn't care about all any of those things. What he points out, and get this, lean in, write this down, Persistent prayer pays off. Okay? That's what he's going to teach us from this one widow. Persistent prayer pays off. Be persistent. Keep at it. Be relentless in your prayer. Persistent prayer pays off. Can you guys remember that? Say, let's say it with me, okay? Could you say that? 
Persistent prayer pays off. That's what we're going to learn today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, we're going to be in verses 1 through 8 today. And uh, if you're online or you have your phone, you can use a tablet or whatever. Go to the YouVersion Bible app. You can find a Rice Church Denver's event. We have the, the passage. You can look there, look at notes, fill it out. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. By the way, I love kids. I got three of them, and they were wild in the back, okay? We love kids in this church, don't we? We love the sound of kids and the craziness of kids. We love it. I want you to know that. I'm serious. I had to take my kids out because my wife, Melissa, was singing, and it was a little wild in the back. Sorry, guys. Sorry, back row. We love kids. Okay, um, so in Luke chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 1. So I'm going to read this verse because it gives a summary of what's going on. Verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So Luke is writing this. Luke was a historian, a doctor, a very educated man, and he wanted to investigate for himself who this Jesus guy was. So he went around, traveled to the locations, interviewed eyewitnesses, wrote down their accounts. This is what Jesus said. This is what he did. And, and here he is giving this summary. He says, what Jesus is about to say, this is what it's about. It's that we should always pray and not give up. To keep praying, always. There's never a time to stop. Just keep at it. Keep at it. Persistent pay, pray pays off. That's what Jesus is going to teach us here. And then he says how Jesus taught that. Verse 2, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Isn't that a great descriptor? Doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people. Great judge. No, it's a terrible judge. Doesn't have morality, doesn't care what God says, doesn't care what is right or wrong. He doesn't even care about his opinion in the polls. Okay? He's not afraid of a recall from some angry citizens. This judge doesn't care a lick about God, morality, or people. <clears throat> Verse 3. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. Kept coming. In, in the Greek, that's saying it, it, it's again and again and again and again. He, she kept coming to this judge with the plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. We're not told what the situation is, who this adversary is, but we're told that she is longing for justice, for what is right. Something has happened to her, and she has been wronged. And there is a judge here, who we're going to be told, didn't give her justice. She doesn't have justice from someone trying to take advantage of her, maybe has stolen from her, taken from her, and as a widow, she has nothing. Because she's the one going to the judge, this probably means she doesn't have any sons, or any children that are old enough to, to fight on her behalf. So her husband is dead. She's been in grief for that, probably still wearing these dark black robes that widows would have worn in those days. She has no lawyer, has no advocate, has no children to help her. And, and widows in those days were the poorest of the poor. She had no one to take care of her. There was no Social Security death benefits. There was no uh, place that she could go like the Denver Rescue Mission to get a free meal. There was nothing like that. She was the lowest of the low. And she was just longing for justice. She wants what's right to happen. Someone has taken advantage of her. What is this? It's systemic injustice. There's a judge who won't give her justice. Okay? Jesus is saying that. There, there's injustice here. The system is broken because there's a judge who doesn't even care at all about God or his law or about people. He's not giving this woman the justice she deserves. There is injustice in our world. Jesus knew it. He talked about it. He pointed it out. And God 
cares about justice. He is a God of justice. And he cares especially for the lowest, the widows. I just did a quick little search in my concordance. I wanted to look at all the times that, that God talks about widows, because he, he talks about it a lot. I found 38 times, so, so that's minimum. There might be some more that I missed. 38 times that God says either take care of widows or if you don't take care of widows, I'm going to destroy you. That's the kind of stuff that God says. If you read the prophets, he's like, one of the problems, the sins with God's people was that they weren't taking care of the widows. Here's the poorest of the poor who need justice, who need help, and you're ignoring them. They have no one to help them. But God cares about the widows. It says in the scriptures in Psalm 68 that he is a defender of widows. That's like his title, defender of widows. But what's really interesting, I just want to show you this one verse. God cares about all of the lowly. And there's this, there's this um, three-part thing that, that God does. And we see just one verse here in Deuteronomy 27. God says in his law, Cursed, damned to hell, should be anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. God is serious about taking care of the lowest of the low, the poor, the widows. And this interesting, this, this three-part, foreigner, fatherless, widow, occurs over and over and over again. In a lot of the 38 instances I was looking at, it, it occurs over a dozen times where it's that, it's called like the triumvirate of justice. The people without husbands, the people without fathers, and the people without their country. The foreigner, the immigrant, the refugee. God cares about those people a lot. He talks about it again and again and again. He says, I care about them, you need to care about them, and if you don't, you're on my bad side. That's what he's saying. See, God cares about this. This is such a big part of God's heart. It's a part of Jesus' heart, too. He came to bring justice to the world. <clears throat> so here is this woman struggling in injustice, struggling in poverty, with no one to take care of her, no one to help her. And she keeps going to the judge. Help me. Help me. Help me. The request is again and again and again. Bring me justice. It says in verse if you continue with me. It says, for some time, for some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, isn't that a funny thing to say to yourself? I don't care about God. I don't care about morality. I don't even care what people think about me. Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, she's so annoying, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> she just keeps pestering him, badgering him, requesting again and again, help me, help me, help me, give me justice. Day after day, the judge hears her, no, no, no. And finally, he's like, fine. I don't want to see you ever again. I'll give you what you want. Her persistence pays off, right? Persistence pays off. What's really interesting there? That, that phrase, um, so that you won't attack me, in Greek, it's a really weird phrase. Um, it's more like a fighting term. It's like a fighting term. So I, I think the, the New Testament for everyone, a different translation, gets it pretty right. It says, so that she doesn't end up coming and giving me a black eye. It, this is a fighting term. Okay? She just keeps punching me and hammering away at me. This little tiny gal keeps punching me over and over and over. I don't want a black eye. Like, I, I want to be done with this fight. This is the boxer that's tiny, but just keeps fighting over and over and over again. Like Logan Paul. <laughs> I don't even know anything about that, but... Just keeps fighting. This little guy keeps fighting again and again and again and again. Mike Tyson's like, come on. 
Okay, I, I, don't, I don't need any of this. I'm done. The judge who has all the power, all the authority, can do anything he wants. Fine. I don't want you pestering me anymore. Some of you have kids that will just hit you like that. doesn't hurt, but man, is it annoying. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's just relent, okay? And that's what he's saying. I don't care about you. I don't care about God. I don't care about what's right or wrong. But because you're so pestering, so persevering, I'll give you what you want. That's what happens in this story. Isn't that interesting? This woman is an example that Jesus points to us and says, be like her. Be like this widow. Because persistent prayer pays off. Persistence is so important. Persistence is so important. Um, I, I have this quote, if I can jump ahead maybe, uh, from Calvin Coolidge, one of our presidents. He said, nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with great talent. Genius will not. If we can get the next slide up there. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. He saw that. He's like, you got to just keep at it. you got to have grit. you got to stick with it. Persevere. Never give up. Never surrender. Never, 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 never give up. That's what he's saying. And in the same way, if that applies to life, I think it applies even more, Jesus says, to prayer. This is how we must be in our faith, in following Jesus. Persist in prayer. Persistent prayer pays off, Jesus says. It's worth it. Keep at it. Be Persistent, never stop, never give up. And, and I think that, that we, can, we can see in the same situation, because it says um, in verse 6, I want you to look at this. Verse 6, and it says, And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. He's not a good guy. He's a bad dude. And yet he gives justice because she kept coming. And verse 7, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? What he's saying is that this is a terrible bad judge, not a good dude, needs to be recalled, needs to be put in prison for bringing injustice. And yet even he will say yes to a persistent request. And God, who is a great and merciful judge, who loves us, who cares about us, who is a defender of win widows, who is a father to the fatherless, who, who is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushing in spirit. That God who loves us unconditionally, he'll listen to us and be merciful to us if we persist. So keep at it. He's saying this woman is the example of how we should be in our faith, how we should follow Jesus. Persistent prayer pays off. Now, I think this is really interesting because in our society, um, just a few years ago, there was a woman who was, who was held up as an as um, example of persistence. And I'm not trying to get political here at all, so don't hear that. But, but it was back in 2017 with Senator Elizabeth Warren. Does anyone remember this story? Uh, Elizabeth Warren, um, it was just like a routine um, nomination for, a, I think, uh, the attorney general for the president. And she was like opposing it. She was against it. Just kept coming. Oh, I want to oppose it. This, this, this. And kept talking. And finally, you know, the, the senators were like, no, here's the rules. You can't say that. And then she kept at it until finally like, well, you broke the rules. You're out. You're silenced. And then afterwards, one of the senators was talking about her and, and was like, you know, we told her not to talk. We told her she was breaking the rules. Nevertheless, she persisted. Does anybody remember that? Nevertheless, she persisted. Almost immediately, boom, those words went viral. 
They were tweeted. Everybody was saying it. It was getting printed on T-shirts, on bumper stickers. It was like posters, chants for women all over the world. Nevertheless, she persisted. Okay, she was the example in our society of a woman persisting. But, but if you think about it, this was a senator. Okay, this was a woman with great power. She was one of the most powerful women in our country, a, a senator. And, and I just looked up. I, I didn't know much about her, but she had graduated college. She had gone to law school. She had been a lawyer and then served as a professor of law. She had written over a dozen books, and she had a husband. And, and together, they are worth over $12 million. So when she persists, we hold her up as an example. Maybe rightly so, right? I'm not getting political one way or the other. But yet Jesus didn't look at a powerful person like that as the example. He looked at the lowly widow. See her? She hasn't gone to law school. She doesn't even have a lawyer. Nobody will defend her. No one will care for her. Yet she is the example for how we should all be to persist. Jesus is saying, nevertheless, she persisted. Be like that. Be like that. Keep at it. Keep persisting. Keep persevering. Keep asking. Keep requesting. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to pester him in prayer. That's what he's saying here. He wants us to keep at it and keep praying. And and that's why uh, my big idea today is that persistent prayer pays off. Very simple. But this is a reminder. You've got to keep at it. Some of you have been praying for stuff and you you give up. I didn't get what I wanted. Well, well, the fat lady hasn't sung yet. Okay, keep praying. Why'd you stop? That's what Jesus is saying. Keep at it. Unless there's come to a point where there's no way to go forward, keep praying. If you're ever wondering, well, when is it okay to stop praying for something, Matt? I've heard the acronym PUSH. Pray until something happens. Okay? Until it's impossible that you can't go any further. Keep pushing until something happens, until it's no way ever to happen. And you know God was saying, okay, not yes to that prayer. And then you move on to the next prayer to be praying for. This means for days, weeks, months, years, decades, we can be praying for the same thing. There are some prayers that I pray over and over and over again. I may pray for the rest of my life until I die. And if I haven't gotten a yes, I'm going to keep praying. And that's how we need to pray. Pray until something happens. Does anybody remember Johnny Carson? Who in here knows Johnny Carson? About half of you. Okay, before Conan O'Brien, who just retired a couple weeks ago. Before Jimmy's, the Jimmy's, right? We all know Jimmy's. Before Jay Leno and even David Letterman, there was Johnny Carson. Okay? And, and he was on when I was just a little kid, but I wasn't allowed to stay up that late and see him. But my dad always talked about him. But Johnny Carson, right? He was the guy who made The Tonight Show. He made late night comedy what it is today. He um, was on the air for over 4,500 episodes. Pretty impressive. And he was introduced by his sidekick, Ed McMahon, who always said... Oh, that was a good one. That was good. Can we give a hand? That was an Ed McMahon in person, right? Here's Johnny, you know, just so much energy. And it was just like iconic. And, and no, that didn't come from The Shining, okay? In case you're wondering. Uh, here's Johnny. He said it every night to introduce uh, Johnny Carson. Well, ha- has anybody in here heard of John Searing? Anybody know that name? Nobody, okay. <laughs> well, John Searing was an art supply salesman in New Jersey. Yeah, that's why you haven't heard of him, right? He's a very good art supply salesman. But John Searing had a a life dream of his. It was like his one thing on his bucket list. And it was to go to The Tonight Show and introduce Johnny Carson by saying, here's Johnny. That was like his dream. So he wrote a letter to The Tonight Show. 
and, and said, hey, could you please put me on? All I want to do is go on there and announce, I just want to say, here's Johnny, as Johnny Carson comes out. And they sent him back a letter, a nice form letter that says no, with a, a great glossy picture of Johnny Carson. <laughs> Here you go, congratulations. But he didn't take no for an answer. So he wrote another letter, and then another one, and then another one. And every day he wrote a letter, hundreds of these letters. He started recording himself on a cassette player, introducing Johnny so they could hear his voice, introducing other celebrities so that they could recognize, like, he's got some talent, right? He kept sending it over and over and over again. He sent in over 800 letters to the night, you know. And finally, what did they say? Okay, fine. <laughs> we'll have you on. So they finally brought John Searing to The Tonight Show. And for the episode, he was all excited to, to be able to introduce Johnny Carson. But then Ed McMahon did it, just like every other night. Here's Johnny. And he was a little disappointed. But then they brought him out to be a guest on the show. He was on uh, TV for an eight-minute segment. Johnny Carson interviewed him and said, why are you writing all these crazy letters? Okay, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Asked him these, had him on the segment like a, a, a famous guest. And then afterwards, he said, okay, I'm going to go back out behind the curtain, and you're going to introduce me. And he did. John Searing went up there and was able to say, here's Johnny, and out he came. He got his request answered. Why? So he was persistent. When Johnny Carson came out, he said, oh, thank you, John Searing, and please stop writing. <laughs> stop. But because of his persistence, because he stuck with it and went at it over and over and over again, they finally relented and said, fine, we'll give you what you want. See, persistence pays off. And Jesus is telling us that persistent prayer pays off. God wants to hear us, especially when it is about things like justice. God is the God of justice. When he sees injustice happening, he is angry. When he sees people that are the lowest, when, when he sees people being mistreated, when he sees racism happening, when he sees things in the system or, or with people or bad judges or a bad HOA, that's what I'm dealing with right now. Like, all these things, it's like injustice, it's not right, it's not what it's supposed to be. We get angry, God gets angry. And he wants to fix those things. So we should pray, even if it seems like there's no way things will ever get better. Keep praying. Persistent prayer pays off. Keep praying, God wants to bring justice. He cares about it. Martin Luther, the great theologian, he said that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance but laying hold of his willingness. That's what we need to do. We need to think he's a good God. He has some reason. It's mysterious. I don't know why he hasn't acted yet, but he has a reason. But he's willing. He cares. He loves. We must reach out to pull down that justice, lay hold of it. And what I would say is this for sure applies to issues of justice in our society and in our lives. But I think it's any time when something is not as it should be, if you look at life or there's things in your life and you're like, this is not the way it should be. Why are things so bad? Why is this happening? Those are the things God cares about and he wants us to pray about. So I don't know what that thing is for you. Maybe it's a relationship. It's not the way I want. This, this job is not the way I want. Financially, things are not the way they should be. What my child is doing, my grandkid, you're worried about him. Maybe there's something big that you're concerned about. You see someone, it could be an issue of injustice or it could just be anything that you say, that's just not right. That's not the way it should be. Pray about it. Keep praying about it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Persistent prayer pays off. That Jesus wants us to hear. And this really is a matter of faith to keep at it. This is what Jesus says in our final verse in this passage. Verse 8, look at it with me. 
Verse 8, it says, I tell you, Jesus says, he, God, will see that they get justice, his people, his children, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Why does he say that? Well, he's coming back. Three weeks ago, we had a message called the kingdom come. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. His kingdom is coming. And when he comes to judge the living and the dead, will he find faith? What is he looking for as he's pointing out here? People that are still at it in prayer. Still at it. Keep going. Because if they've given up, he said, ah, things will never get better. No, no, no. We still need to pray. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Things are not the way they should be. This thing that I, I'm longing for in my heart, I, I need it. God, please help me give my request. Grant me mercy here. Keep at it. That's faith. To be persistent in prayer. Now there's a story about a pastor in a small town. It's one of those pastor stories, preacher stories. You never know if they're true or not, right? But it's a good story. Well, there's a pastor in a small town, and there was a bar there, and the bar was, you know, attracting everyone, and, and, and they were worried about these, these people at the, at the bar. So the pastor said, we've got to pray that this bar is gone. It's out of business. God will drive them from this town. So he gathers all his church on, on a special prayer night, and they, the whole prayer, the church is praying, God, get rid of that bar, get rid of that bar. Well, that night, lightning struck the bar, burned it to the ground. The bar owner finds out about what happened. There's this prayer thing. So he sues the pastor in this church. <laughs> he sues him. And, and they're going before the judge. The judge is like, what, what's going on? What, what, what happened? And, and the pastor is like kind of backpedaling a little bit, right? He's like, well... We, we did pray for that, but we didn't really think it was going to happen. <laughs> and the judge says, you, never, I, I, you know, I never thought I would see the day of a pastor who doesn't believe in prayer, but a bar owner who does. <laughs> I am shocked by how much you and I pray for things and we don't even believe it's going to happen. Right? We might go through the motions and ask for something and pray, but do we really believe God will come through? Honestly, do we have faith that he will? We are commanded to pray expectantly in Psalm 5, to ask for things to happen and believe that they're going to happen. Not every single one of our prayers is answered exactly the way we want. It's just not. God is smarter than us. <laughs> However, we need to keep praying and believing that God will do something. That's what faith is. I believe, God, that you want to do something, that you want to help, that you want to get me out of this situation, even if we have to pray again and again and again for the same thing. I remember for years when Melissa and I were, were dealing with infertility, it took us five years to get pregnant with McKinley. And in that five years, we never got pregnant once. There's no pregnancy, no miscarriage, nothing. And we prayed over and over and over again. Morning, noon, night, plus, right? Just kept praying over and over and over again until God says yes. And he gave us our daughter McKinley. And that's how we are commanded to pray here again and again and again. He, he says here morning and night. What's really interesting, in that day, the rabbis, who, who Jesus was actually a rabbi, he was a teacher. Um, but, but the rabbis would teach that you're not supposed to pray more than three times a day. If you do more than that, you're annoying God. Seriously. But Jesus doesn't put any cap on how often or how much we should pray. In fact, he says, keep at it. Keep punching, keep fighting, keep boxing, right? Another jab, an uppercut. Okay, you know, just, just keep it coming. 
again and again and again. Jesus never says here that it's about the amount of prayer that you have. If you pray over 150 times, then you'll get what you want. It's not about an amount. I think it's more about an attitude. That's why he's focusing on faith here. Will there be faith on the earth when he comes back, Jesus? It's your attitude. Are you persistent? So maybe it's three times a day. Maybe it's once a day, once a week, once a month. Maybe it's 100 times a day. Maybe every time you think about it, you need to turn it into a prayer. Maybe you need to put a reminder on your phone to pray for it again and again and again. Maybe you need to slip it in. I love slipping in those, those big prayers at mealtime because you think it's just like a mealtime prayer, but that's three times a day. You can slip in something else that you're praying for. Be persistent at it. I can't tell you how often in a day Melissa and I prayed to have a baby. Again and again and again, we kept praying. Persistent prayer pays off. God wants to answer our prayers, so keep at it. And keep at it. Keep at it. Pray until something happens. Keep pushing. Keep punching. Keep at it. And and I think this is um, such a a great example, such a great story for us. And and I think it really is important because Jesus is someone who shows us persistence. I mean, God in his heart is very persistent with us. Though we sin, though we turn away from him, though we rebel, even though we know better, we do what's wrong. And sin, God keeps coming after us. He sent Abraham. Then he sent Moses to give the law. Then he gave Joshua. Then he gave the judges and the kings all to lead God's people back to him. And they kept sinning and rebelling. He kept sending prophets, one after another, a spokesperson from God to tell them, repent, turn back to me. I love you. And still people turned in sin. And God was persistent. So much so that he sent his own son to the world. And Jesus persisted in coming after us and loving us and being with the downtrodden, caring for the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. Jesus showed that. He was persistent. He persevered. He wanted to love and show God's love. And he prayed for us. Did you know that in John 17, God prayed for us? I mean, you and I living today. People not born, Jesus prayed for us. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. He went into the desert for 40 days and he prayed. And when the devil came himself, he quoted scripture and prayed and kept on it. He kept at it. He kept at it. On the night he knew he was going to be betrayed, he prayed. He stayed up all night. His friends, who he asked, could you please stay up with me and pray with me? They fell asleep. But he persisted. He kept praying again and again and again. God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But not your will. Your will, but not mine be done. He kept saying, I want your will, God. He kept praying. He kept persisting to the point that when he was arrested and was on the cross, when he was dying for the sins of the world, he prayed for us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus persisted, and because of his persistence, we can have eternal life. Because he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. Because God persisted in Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness, we have atonement, we have eternal life in him. We have a new life, a new purpose, and we can head out of here following Jesus with the fullest life. Aren't you glad that God persisted? And Jesus, who who was a lowly man, born in a manger, who died the death of a slave, The lowest of low, he is our example of persistence. And when he tells us to pray like a widow, a poor destitute woman, we better do it. Follow her example. Persistent prayer pays off. Now, I'll never forget um, when we first moved here to Denver, um, we got invited. You, You saw Shannon Blackard on the video, the giving video earlier. She and her husband, Derek, were hosting the community group, and they invited our community group. It was like our first month or two here in Denver. 
They invited us to come over. We went to their community group, and we met a woman named Allison Lecking. Some of you know Allison. Allison and Adam actually are, have been a part of our church for a long time. They just boot, moved back to Virginia this summer. And I got permission for her to share, share this story, but we had an instant connection, Melissa and I, with Adam and Allison because they, too, had struggled with infertility for a long time. And they had prayed and, and sought treatment and done everything they could, and finally God gave them their first child, Kai, through a surrogate. Um, they, they, that was the only option that was available to them. They did IVF, and they had Kai through a surrogate. And man, isn't it great that God has given us that advanced medicine that we have today, that you can do IVF surrogates? It's incredible. And, and at the time we met her, I remember, because she was like, yeah, we are having our second child now with a surrogate. And I was like, whoa, I never really met somebody who had gone through surrogacy. I was like, cool. You know, and we talked to them. We got to really know them because they had struggled with infertility for so long, so many miscarriages. And then I'll remember a, f- a few weeks later when I uh, talked with her on the phone because we'd heard something happen, and, and we called her, and, and Allison was in tears because their surrogate at 17 weeks had her water break. Now, I didn't know a ton about that, but I knew that that was bad. And it is. It's very bad, okay? The baby survives in those fluids. And I was like, well, what, what can they do? And, and she said, well, they, they have her in, on bed rest. She's going to be in the hospital basically until she miscarries. And I was like, that's heavy, you know? That, that's really tough. And it, it, of course, really hit my heart because I know what it's like to experience infertility. And I asked her, I said, okay, well, what did the doctors tell you is the chance that this little baby boy will make it to the point of viability? And she said, Matt, it's like 0%, they said. 0%. I was like, well. I said, well, when it's impossible, we got to pray for a miracle. And that's what we did. I, I prayed with her on the phone. We, Melissa and I started praying. I'm sure their community group was praying. Adam and Allison were praying nonstop. And I remember talking to her a week later. I said, okay, how are things going? She said, well, we're at 18 weeks now. Baby's still in there. And now they're saying it's a 1% chance. I was like, okay, that's good. Well, keep praying then. We kept praying. And I remember when the baby made it to about 22, 23 weeks, because that's like the, the earliest that a baby could be born, right? Major complications, but they can survive at 22 weeks. Baby was still in there. Well, keep praying, keep praying. Made it to 28 weeks, which is kind of a big marker where, where now there's not going to be major complications. Maybe still six months in the NICU, but this, this baby could survive. And I don't remember the exact uh, date, but it was somewhere after 32 weeks that the baby stayed in there. And on this stage, I got to dedicate little baby Weston. And it was impossible, right? Zero percent chance. And yet God came through. I've seen that. I don't care if you call it a miracle or not. It doesn't matter to me. But I know it's impossible, if not next to impossible. But when those things happen, what do we need to do? Pray. Keep praying. Persistent prayer. Never stop praying. Pray until something happens. Persistent prayer pays off. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you guys today. And what Jesus is trying to teach us. Look at the example of this widow. She kept punching, kept boxing, kept at it, never gave up. And this judge, who was a terrible judge, gave her what she wanted. And God, who loves you and is the greatest judge, the most merciful judge in the world, who is a defender of widows, a father to the fatherless, who is close to the brokenhearted, he will hear your need. He knows what's on your heart, and he wants to help you. So keep praying, keep punching, keep pushing, and never stop. Persistent prayer pays off.
So what I want you to do right now, okay, I'm, I'm going to challenge you guys. Take out your phone right now. Okay, I'm watching you guys. Take out your phone. Take out a piece of paper if you don't have your phone. And I want you to think of the one thing, maybe it's a dozen things, but at least one thing that's on your heart. It's an injustice you see in the world. It's something bad happening in your life or in your family, someone you care about, and you're like, I want, this isn't right. It needs to be made right, God. I want you to write down that prayer on your phone. I want you to write it down. What's even better is, is maybe you make a notification or an alarm that goes off to remind you to pray until this becomes just a habit of yours to pray for this thing. It might be something enormous and you're like, that's impossible. Good, keep praying. Uh, and, and I want you to just pray for this over and over and over again. Set that reminder. And then right now, as, as the band's kind of playing some music under, we're going to take a moment right now and we're going to pray for that thing. We're going to pray for that thing. I talked with a woman after first service and there's some major things going on. She just had a good friend of hers take his own life. There is some heavy stuff going on in our, in our own lives and in the lives of people we care about and love. We need to persist in prayer. And, and I'm going to be in the back in just a minute. We're going to take communion and I'll be in the back. I want to pray with you. If you have something on your heart, I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray together, okay? You can say it quietly. You can shout it out. You can, you can whisper it in your breath. I don't care. But we're going to pray for that right now, okay? So let's bow our heads and let's pray together as individuals and as a family for these things on our hearts. Lord God, we come to you, the righteous judge, the one whose mercy triumphs over judgment. Hear our prayers. Lord God, I pray with all the prayers that are in this room, with the Holy Spirit who is intercepting these prayers and taking them to your son, Jesus, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, our advocate, our lawyer, before the Father in heaven who cares. Hear our prayers. Heal relationships. Mend the brokenhearted. Give hope to the hopeless. For those who are struggling with addictions, Lord God, bring freedom. Set the captives free. Bring an end to injustice and racism and any system or process or person who is bringing injustice or evil in this world. Lord God, we're crying out in these prayers. Hear us, listen, love us, and give us a yes. Now with eyes closed and heads bowed for right now, there's some of you in here who have never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. And what Jesus said, it is God's chosen people, his sons and daughters, who God hears our prayers. God answers prayers of his children in a different way, in a special way. And some of you need to become children of God today. And the way to do it is to declare that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, to declare that you are a sinner and accept his gift of forgiveness and eternal life. So we have a, a prayer here. We do this every week. It's no magical prayer, but it's a simple way that you can pray to God who hears you and will answer you. So what we're going to do, if you're already a believer in Jesus Christ, say this prayer, say it out loud so you can give courage to someone who needs to say it for the first time. Would you please repeat after me? Dear Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me to follow you and love others. 
Now, with heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus is now your Lord and Savior, you're a child of God, please slip your hand into the air. I just want to be able to encourage you. Slip your hand into the air. Praise God. If you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. Praise God. You are a child of God. You are loved. You are forgiven. You have eternal life. You have a judge on your side, an advocate in Jesus Christ who will fight for you, who will answer your prayers. Lord God, we all come to you. Father, we love you and we're glad that you listened to us. We are glad that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive us of all our sins. Forgive us of the times that we have done something wrong and to make things right in our lives with you. I pray, Lord God, we would go out from here in faith today and every day for the rest of our lives to persevere and to persist in prayer. And that we would know that persistence in prayer pays off. Amen. Okay, um, the band is going to lead us here in a little bit of a song, and then we're going to take communion together as we remember that Jesus died on the cross for us. So if you have those on your cup, if you're online, I'm saying this so that you can grab some bread, you can grab some uh, juice, whatever you got in the house, a cracker and some Sprite is fine. Um, We're going to remember what Jesus did in just a minute together. Would you please stand as we sing that God is good, God is good.